Uh, we can, we've got a chance to make an impact on a lot of levels here, but it doesn't matter. The main way that we're going to make an impact is through the way that God lives through our lives and the way that we impact people around us, one another, and even our enemies. That right there, it doesn't matter what's going on out here. It's where God is going to draw people's attention to himself as they look at your life and they see things happening and they say, there's no way you can love when someone's done that to you. There's no way you can respond to that situation like that. How in the world is this possible? And what you've done is open up an opportunity to share the reason for the hope that you have to people who are living in darkness and may not even realize it. And that's the whole point of this. And the thing we've got to keep our focus on is that God is building his kingdom. That he's gathering his church. Those who will listen. Those who will believe. Those who will come to him and receive by faith the gift that he's already paid for. But we also know that time is coming to a close. And Peter's going to talk about that a little bit later on. Um, these are crazy days in which we are living and everything's kind of in turmoil. And now things are getting worse in a lot of places as far as the pandemic. And just a, there's a lot of things connected with it. There are a lot of people who are having other problems uh, that have been triggered by this problem. And, and it just goes on and on. So this has become stressful times that we're in. And all we really want is to just have a good life and enjoy life and be comfortable. That's the American thing, right? Yeah. Well, there may be times of that if there are, praise God. But that's not the way it usually goes. All right? It gets tough. It gets dicey. But uh, this is instruction written to people going through times far worse than what we're seeing today, to be honest. All right? Can you read it with me? Because we're, um, we're going to look in um, chapter 3. Uh, two weeks ago, we were talking about harmony in the home. Remember, husbands and wives and how uh, this was revolutionary teaching, especially the way that he instructed the men to honor the women. It really wasn't happening in any culture there uh, in that day. And so uh, he comes on from instruction about, you know, submitting to the authorities in your life. Remember? Are you still with me? We're studying the Bible here, folks. I'm not just kind of, you know, giving a little talk. This is, this is, you know, word of God. So talking about submitting to the authorities, whether it's government, uh, talked about even employers, and then in the home, husbands and wives' responsibilities to each other and to God. And so in verse 8, are you there? Of chapter 3, he says, finally, all of you. So this is to kind of sum up. So he says, all right, everybody in every situation, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, Brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Now, we're going to go back through these verses as, as we preach through this, but I'm just going to go ahead and read through the rest of this. It says, Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you might obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek and pursue, uh, seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. 
having a good conscience. So that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. I'm going to stop right there, and that's kind of the middle of an illustration, because Peter brings in, I just want to tell you ahead of time, he brings in this illustration, he's coming back, look to Jesus, and the whole thing about how is Jesus, he suffered for us, but the suffering was in view of incredible victory. And, and but he throws an illustration in there about the proclamation of that victory, even to those who disobeyed during the days of the flood. And that's kind of mysterious stuff. And I want to get into that, Lord willing, next week, all right? And, and, and go through that. Because that illustration of Jesus and his victory, it kind of carries through. It's kind of a pivot between what we're talking about this week and what we, Lord willing, We'll talk about next week. It kind of brings it together. Because you know the chapter breaks were put in by us. Those weren't inspired of God. So we're, next week we're going to kind of run right on through the first part of chapter 4. So uh, that's kind of what we're doing today. But I want you to remember that people are having tough times. Peter is, is being inspired by God to write to them. Many of them are being singled out. And uh, simply because of their faith in Jesus Christ, they're being singled out and they're being persecuted. So as badly as you and I want life... Just, uh, you know, to be easy. The truth is, is we live in a sin-cursed world. It's messed up. It's infected by the results of the curse of sin. There's all kinds of disasters and problems and evil. We also live, even though you're saved in a sin-cursed flesh, because the Bible tells us flesh and blood are not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. This is a part of us that... uh, you know, we crucify the flesh. It's not going to be redeemed. There's a part of us that we're going to struggle with while we're here. Even though you're a new creature in Christ, you still live in this old body of flesh, and you'll have to deal with that. So because of those things, we're going to experience difficulty, right? Because of those things that we are going to experience tragedy, unfairness, unfair treatment, unjust treatment. It's going to happen. And so our purpose our purpose in life, our purpose that we have is more, more than just being comfortable. All right? I'll put that up there so you can think about it. It's more than just being comfortable. It involves making a positive impact on the world around us that God wants to speak through our lives to those around us. Okay? Now, I'm just worried about things just being fun and easy. But God is concerned for his kingdom's sake and his glory. All right. So I have to ask myself, what kind of impact am I making on all those? Not just people way out there, but people close by. That's what God wants. Um, so that the people who are living in darkness might see the light of God's love. That's the purpose of that impact. All right. Are you ready? So the main idea that he's getting to here, let's throw that up there. The main idea is we are blessed to be a blessing. Right? The whole reason why we're blessed isn't just so we can consume the blessing on ourselves. We're blessed so that we can be a blessing. And so in this passage, he's talking about how to live the blessed life. And it involves both. It involves being blessed and it involves blessing others. Okay? And the whole thing is, is that you and I need to realize, and this is why he's trying to get across to them, is that we display the good news of the gospel in our lives through our unity with one another, our blessing our enemies, and remaining faithful, even in, even in suffering. It communicates powerful message of God's word. And, and this is what he's calling them to focus on and to understand. 
um, that uh, they remain faithful during this time. So he wants us to understand this, that um, we have all these beliefs, uh, is that um, our, let me put that back up there, is that, uh, wow, I don't know why we're skipping there, um, is that, there it is, I'm just gonna, uh, our actions demonstrate our true beliefs. That's what I'm saying, is our actions demonstrate our truth. Because can, I can believe a lot of stuff. I can say, man, I really am firm on that. See, that's the difference between just beliefs that you have and convictions that you have. Because I believe something, right? I, I, I believe something, uh, and I say I'm strongest, and we talk about it, we want to argue about it. Um, that uh, it's been said now that a belief is something you agree with and trust stro- so strongly about it, you'll argue about it all day. And some of you do. And we do it even on social media. Now, we can argue with people around the world at the speed of light. That's a, that's a belief. It's something that you believe so strongly and trust so strongly you'll argue about it. But a conviction is something you trust so strongly that you would die for it. There's a difference there. So what are our actions? Are our actions Really, uh, we have beliefs or, or we have convictions that is coming through in our actions of the way that we make decisions and the things that we do and don't do and the things that we say and don't say. Our convictions involve living out our beliefs. And that's what he's talking about here is actually living out your beliefs uh, as, as your convictions among people who don't know God and don't understand God's truth. It's powerful. So... Listen, the thing is, we lived in our world, it just keeps getting crazier all the time. I'm glad that we can be involved and we should be involved and be an impact on every level of our culture and society that we can. Man, I mean, the thing that's been a saving grace is having good people that walk by God's light in all areas of of industry and government and and military and everything. But we're not going to shape this world we live in through politics. That's not how we're going to do it. I mean, don't think you can just do it that way. Not, I mean, by even passing laws or changing laws. You can change laws, but you haven't changed anyone's heart. See, the way that we're going to shape and the way that we're going to impact our whole world is as you and I live out our convictions that are based on the word of God and the example of Jesus Christ. That's how it's going to happen. As we do that, it's powerful and yet it's simple. And this is especially true when we do this in an atmosphere of suffering and oppression. I'm sorry, that's just, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. It's the word of God. I would rather tell you the truth and it make you uncomfortable and tell you a lie and cause everything to be uncomfortable forever. So, the first thing he points out is the blessing of unity. The blessing of unity. That's why he says, finally, to sum up, to pull all these things together. All I've been talking about, our relationship with even the, the oppressive Roman government in chapter 2. And, and in the workplace, servants and masters and all of this. He appeals to the example of Christ there. Then he comes back, talks about wives and husbands. And so this applies to everyone. Because he says, all of you. I think the Greece, Greek reads, all y'all. No, I'm kidding. I just made that up. <laughs> all of you all. <laughs> you know, you would think that it, people that aren't from here, and since we spent you know, time in California and there's just a different world there, but uh, they don't understand our language. 
You know, and they, they want to make fun, right? You see me, you Californians who are here today are nodding your head. You had to learn the language, right? You had to get people to, to... I remember one of my cousins that moved from out west uh, that whenever we were growing up, and uh, would, I would say, well, where is it? It's over yonder. Where, what is yonder? Where's y- y'all are always talking about yonder. Where is that, right? And y'all, you would think y'all would be plural, right? But it's not. The plural of y'all is all y'all. <laughs> uh-huh. And so then in around here, sometimes instead of y'all, you hear you-uns. You-uns, you would think was plural, but a lot of times it's uh, all of y'all, you, all you-uns, all you-uns, all y'all. And so uh, that's what he's saying here, okay? But he's just saying it in a different way. It involves everybody. Now, unity of mind does not come naturally. It's because everybody else is messed up, right? unity of mind we gotta work on this it is work even though we got the power of God available the Holy Spirit living in us that it takes discipline on our part to submit to it we gotta work on ways to learn how to get along with each other so this is like have this have unity of mind now understand unity does not mean uniformity Uniformity is when everything looks alike. We don't all approach things and do things alike. I've noticed that. Amazed how many of y'all are just really weird, right? Not normal like me. True? Yeah, okay. Well, it does not mean uniformity. We don't all approach things and do things alike. It does not mean unanimity. It does not mean that we all think exactly the same things. But what it does mean is that God wants to take each one of our uniqueness with our different personalities, our different styles, our different backgrounds, our different perspective. And God wants to weave them. I'm going to say something really important here. I hope you're listening. God wants to take all of that and he want, even some of y'all's weirdness and he wants to weave it together into a common focus to accomplish a common goal. We are unified even though we have different ways of doing things and different perspectives, different upbringings, different this and that, that it comes together. So we have oneness of mind. We are committed together, a common goal, a common focus together. And I find that God puts all of us together in a way to accomplish what we could never do apart. And that's where unity of mind is so powerful. That we have this common focus, this common goal. We may approach it from different angles, but it's the same goal, the same truth. And then he says we need to learn to sympathize. You see that? Have unity of mind, sympathy. Uh, now, the word there is literally a word that, that means to to. to feel with someone. Um, it's a compound word to feel with, usually pain. It's usually used in that context. So instead of being focused just on myself, he wants us to be uh, compassionate and, and thinking of others and, and considering how they feel. Now, some translations have compassion as the, the old translations as the English word here. And actually, the word that's commonly translated compassion uh, is comes from the the root word of the, the next word being tender-hearted. It's a, it's a root of it is a Greek word. The very root of it is a Greek word. That's actually the word splonkana. And it has to do with your, your, your bowels, your belly. You ever read in the old King James where it talks about, you know, bowels of compassion? That, that's where that comes from. Because to them, the seat 
of, of that was here. You know, like we would say, well, it broke my heart, right? Or if you really feel something deeply, we, we refer to the heart. Well, actually, in their culture, heart, or cardia, it, it really refers more to the mind, which can involve emotions. But to us, it's just the feelings, right? So instead of heart, they would say bowels. You know, I'm glad it's changed, though, wouldn't it? I mean, I don't know how good of a pickup it would have been with Clarissa when we were in college to just tell her. I told her she made my heart go flitter uh, <laughs> to say, you know, you make my bowels. I don't know. I don't know. So, but that's actually the root of the word here. That, and, and here's the thing. You know, with, and a lot of the stress that's gone on in our life in the last week or so, I, the first place I feel it is right there. Right? When you feel it. Uh, and that's what it even says. Jesus looked out on the crowd and he had compassion. It uses that word. That, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's deep down feeling. And he says, we need to have that for each other. We need to have that tenderheartedness. A lot of times we just think about ourselves. We don't really care. We need to care. And we need to feel along with you. And this is what he's talking about. And then he says, brotherly love. We're, we're unpacking this, folks. Are you helping me? Right? This is the word of God. I didn't put this there. God put this there. Let's bring it out. We want to bring out what the word of God says. And he said, brotherly love. Well, the brotherly love is a compound word in the original language. And it's the exact word we get the word Philadelphia from. Now, when I think of Philadelphia, I don't always think of brotherly love. How about you? But that's what that means. And what that word means is different than uh, phileo and aldophos. It's, it's different than when we talk about uh, agape. This is a deep affection still. And so he's talking about you need to have this for one another. Brotherly affection. It's a concern and a care for one another. Do people see that among us? When they look at us, do they see that we're different, any different than people who don't know God? That's the thing that this makes me ask. And the other agreement, uh, ingredient, I'm sorry, is a humble mind. Humility. Um, being courteous. Humility, one person said, is when we really begin to see God as he truly is. And then ourselves as who we really are in light of that. We humble ourselves. We put others ahead of ourselves. That's part of a humble mind. Put others. Did, is, is this happening in our life? See, I want to tell you, this takes God's supernatural power working in us to do this. So he says we're to all be considerate and humble. He's saying we're to live out what we say we believe. This is the way Jesus was. Finally, I want all of you to do this. If you're doing this, this right here is going to be more powerful than you know. And it's going to influence more people than you know. And we, we're living out what we say we believe. And we're following the example that Jesus said. Isn't it amazing that our God not only came down in the flesh, came into humanity, fully God yet fully human, and paid the price for our sin to pay our sin debt, to bring lost humanity and a holy, perfect God together. He didn't just do that, but he lived here. He lived and he interacted. And the Bible tells us was tempted in every area, just like we are. So when you say, Lord, I'm feeling this. Lord, I'm struggling with this. He not only knows all things, but he actually knows what it feels like to be in a human body and to be suffering or to be persecuted or to be uh, tempted by any of those things. He knows. And he set an example. He set a real life, real time, in the flesh, example for you and I, for a human being, to show us the way. You've heard the illustration uh, Billy Graham used to use about 
uh, the lady who come home and a pigeon had flown into her uh, garage and it was flying around. It's just about to, you know, birds will do this. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll just fly right into the wall and knock themselves out and stuff. But uh, this bird was trapped and it's like, I can't get them out of there. I can't get them out of there. And uh, said, you know, if I could just become a pigeon, I would fly in there and show them the way. And, uh, and it's like, wow, that's what God did. He actually came into the flesh, and he not only paid the price for our redemption, he showed us the way. It's powerful, and it's beautiful. Um, so this is what Jesus did for us, and uh, to set that real example. So this is the blessing that comes as we're united together. But this blessing goes even deeper than that because he goes on forward with it. If you're looking at that next verse in verse 9, and he says, not only get along with each other, but... Uh, Everybody's not going to be easy to get along with. Hmm? Don't get the idea that if I just do this, everybody's just going to love me. and going to say, man, you're a great person and easy to get along with. No. Nah. No, people are going to try to take advantage of you. There's going to be things that happen. There's going to be people that you're going to do something nice and they're going to do something mean, right? And that's why he says next, oh, by the way, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, bless for this, for to this you were called that you might obtain a blessing. There's that blessing. You want to obtain a blessing? This is how. You're going to be doing these things, oneness of mind. You're going to have sympathy, brotherly love, and, and humility, and compassion, and all of that. And the other thing is, is you're not going to be repaying evil for evil and reviling for reviling. So here's the part about blessing of unity and even blessing your enemies. I mean, uh, you know, we have the attitude is, you know, I don't get mad, I get even, right? And he's not saying you don't defend yourself or stand up for any rights that you have, but he's just saying that you're not mainly concerned about that. You are mainly concerned about the character of Christ coming through your life. <laughs> it takes power for this. God said that he's the one that will repay, amen? God will repay, but it's just like, I want him to do it right now in the way that I want him to do it. And he doesn't always, and he forgives people, stuff like that, amen? But I like it when he forgives me, and cuts me some slack. Amen? All right. So blessing our enemies. He's saying that you will be blessed. Did you get that? Let me back up. I want to put that verse 9 back up there. That you may obtain a blessing. Did you see that? You want to have a blessed life? This is the way it happens. All right. And so blessing our enemies is part of that. That as you become a blessing, God will bless you. Now, the word blessing here has got a lot more weight than the way we commonly use it today. We just say, oh, bless you. Somebody sneezes, bless you. We just kind of throw these words around and they get kind of common to us and they water down. Right. But really, that word blessing means it means that you are asking and seeking God's favor on another. You're not just ignoring them. You are seeking God's favor on them. And asking God for his favor on them. Just like Stephen said to the guys that were murdering him. God, please don't hold this against them. Can you believe that? Okay. Powerful stuff. The advice is so opposite a way that we feel. You can say amen. I'll say amen. Yeah. It's how, opposite of how we normally live. God's supernatural presence is shown in us. When we do things the exact opposite from what it seems to be the natural way. Because if you don't act in the natural way, could it be something supernatural is happening? And people at some point are going to know, how can you do that? 
And now you got an opportunity to give them a reason for the hope that you have. Okay, there we go again. Uh, he says, do not repay evil for evil. Don't do bad things. Don't go out there saying bad things to those who have already done bad things and said bad things about you. That's going to take some Holy Ghost power right there, folks. And people are going to notice it. Instead, it's not that you just don't do that. But you do the opposite of it. You bless them. So instead of saying bad things, you say good things. They're saying bad things about you, you say good things. They're doing bad things, you do good things. Lord, help us. That you may obtain a blessing. God says, I want you to know, I notice. You might not get repaid when and how and where and immediately and all that, but God says, I notice. And when it's going to come in a day, that's all that's going to matter, folks. You have faith in that? Do you believe that? Well, let's live out what we say we believe, okay? That's the whole point here. We're blessed to be a blessing. It's also true to say if you want God to bless you, then you need to bless others. Okay, one reason that a lot of us don't experience blessing is, pause for effect, is that we live the same way everybody else lives. Now, we might say we believe different things, but we're really not living different things. And that's why we miss all the blessing in our life from God. We live guided by fleshly instinct rather than by the Word of God empowered by the Spirit of God. We just live like everybody else. Well, we're just human. And I can always appeal to that. I'm just human. Well, I am just human. But actually, I've got more than that. I've got the power and the presence of God living inside me to make me a different kind of human. Amen? That's what the goal is. And then he goes to Psalm 34. I love it how that, you know, he's preaching Old Testament here. Because he said, this isn't new. He quotes David. He co and this is that passage. I think this is where he talks about taste and see the Lord is good. One of the times that he said that. And it's, and it's actually Psalm 34, 12 through 16. If you look it up, this is exactly what he's quoting right there. He says, whoever desires to love life and see good days. Do you want that? Do you love life? Life's tough. He's talking to people that life's going to get really tough. You, but David was talking to people, life got tough. You want to love life? You want to have good days? Watch your mouth. You need to hush it up. I know, I know. I, I'm going to have to remember this. I'm going to have to remember a lot of this sermon <laughs> this week. All right? So he says this. He says, keep your tongue from evil. Well, when your mouth runs as much as mine does, it's going to stumble into trouble, right? And hasn't it always been true that all of my life, it's actually my mouth that has got me into more trouble than the rest of myself can't get me out of? Yeah? And so that's what he's saying. He's saying that you zip it. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from seeking, speaking deceit, that we try to deceive others. And the whole thing of deceit is you're telling lies and you're gossiping about people. And the whole point of it is so that you gain an advantage over someone. And that's what the danger of deceit and lies are, is that you're telling something that's not true for the purpose of not just being funny or anything like that. It's for the purpose of you gaining an advantage over someone. Right? You're putting them down to lift yourself up, you think. Um, so that's what he's saying, that don't be speaking deceit. So he says that you're to keep your tongue from evil, your lips from deceit, and turn away from evil and do good. There are some things you need to 
actively make up your mind you're going to turn from. You're not going to hang around it. You're not going to mess with it. You're going to turn from it. Okay? This isn't just young people. There may be some people, some situations, some events, some different things. You need to make up your mind you're going to turn away. When different things are going on, you're getting in situations, you need to turn away. When you're being tempted in whatever area it is, whether it's whatever, you might need to turn away. Okay? You can do that. Right? God will help you do it, but he's not going to do it for you. Just like when Jesus healed the lame man, he said, get up. We asked him to do something he couldn't do until he tried to do it in obedience to God. And then God gave him the strength. Same way with me and you. I can't do this, but he says do it. And when I do it in obedience to him, he gives me the strength for the doing of it. And he gets the glory for it. I get blessed. It's good stuff. (sighs) So he goes on to say, uh, turn away from evil, seek peace and pursue it. Are we seeking peace? I mean, there are Christians out there that are the biggest troublemakers, stirring up trouble, stirring up gossip, stirring up things everywhere they go. That's the opposite of what we're supposed to be. That's no different than the world. So he says the thing you need to do is turn away from evil, do good, seek peace. Not only seek it, but run after it. So are you a peacemaker? A lot of times like, well, I stir up troubles just because I tell people the truth. Yeah. Do you know you can tell the truth in such a way that you're wrong? You really can. In fact, I remember what uh, Paul said in Ephesians 4.15. Speaking the truth in love. We're to grow up in every way into him who is the head Christ. Be like Jesus. Speak the truth how? In love. Now, um, sometimes people had to say things to me. Like, I need to, I'm going to tell you this in love. I'm like, oh boy, get ready. <laughs> it's going to be tough, right? But you know what? If you're telling someone now, I'm saying this in love, make sure that you really are. Because if somebody's telling me that they're loving me, uh, they don't have to tell me that. Because if they're really loving me, I will know that. Won't I? Huh? That's like if you have to put this on the end of a sentence, like, just saying, just saying. It's probably something you shouldn't have said. <laughs> just saying. Yeah, I know you just said it. Okay. I do that whenever... I don't think people are listening, like in casual, just saying, just saying, or, or, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Right? Need some interaction. Need some response. Okay? It's possible to do good and speak good uh, and still suffer for it, though. Did you know that? You can actually get this right. You're doing, now, I always thought, if I do good and I say good and I'm following Jesus' example and I've got pure motives, God's just going to bless me, and life's going to be easy, right? Wrong. The Word of God is here to tell you, and get this straight. I'm not going to flower it up or fluff it up. The truth is, there are times that you're going to do good and speak good, and you're still going to suffer. I don't like it. I don't like it. I do not like this verse, but it is truth nonetheless. He says, even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, once again, you will be what? Blessed. You do good, speak good, but even if. Now, in the Greek, there's different ways of grammar. One of the things that happens are are conditions. There are like mainly three classes of conditions. There's actually four. 
you know, like, like one class condition is like if, and it's true, you know, uh, you, you could have, you could actually in the English translate that since this instead of if, um, there might be something you would use as another class condition that's like if, and it could be true. It might be, it might not be right. You know, we hope it's true, but it might not be, you know, like if the chiefs win like that, you know, we don't know for sure. Uh, uh, but anyway, past all of those things, uh, there are some things that if, and it's assumed not true, but then there's, there's this, it's like a fourth class condition, and it's if, and it's almost like, I wish it weren't true, but it is. Okay? I don't like this. If. There's a big if. Because it's not the rule, it's the exception. Did you get that? This isn't the rule. This is the exception, but there are exceptions. Now, as a rule, you do good and all that. Like David said, you're going to be blessed. But there's times you're going to do good, you're going to speak good, you're going to turn away from evil, right? You're going to pursue peace, and you're still going to suffer. Not the norm, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, make sure it's for righteousness' sake. Righteousness means living in the right way that aligns with Christ. You do understand that. I'm just trying to be Christ-like. And you do something very un-Christ-like. Now, for righteousness' sake, this doesn't work if you're doing things for self's sake. He says, even if that happens, you're going to be blessed. And don't have fear. Don't be troubled by those who are hassling you. Trying to take you down. Trying to take you apart. God's in control. I just feel like I need to control it though, Lord. This is where we grow. This is where we grow. This is where we're challenged. So here's a basic rule, though. Here's a basic rule. Back up to verse 13, where he says, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what's good? Now normally that's true, but the exception, verse 14, even if you should suffer, it could happen. But even if it does, know this. Do you know that? Do you know you'll be blessed? Do you know that it's all going to be? Do we have to have everything now? Can you not realize that God's saving it? And you're going to be so blessed because of it. See, it's just like when you're training and working out and punish yourself and suffering that, uh, uh, you know, that it's, it's difficult. It hurts. But you know, if you want the reward, you got to put in the work, right? See, I think, I think sometimes people are losing that. We want instant total gratification. Instead of realizing you work now, reward later. You suffer now, blessed later. I want it all now. This is not going to be that way. It doesn't matter how bad you want it that way. It is not that way. It is not that way. And so even when you do good, normally, you're, you're all zealous for what's good. Most people are they're great with you. But there are exceptions. And even when that happens, you're going to be blessed. Don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. Okay? So this is what he's calling us to. Um, a lot of times when bad stuff, well, I'll just tell you, it has been true. Most of the bad stuff that's happened in my life is because I sent bad stuff out. Uh, I make unwise decisions. I suffer the consequences. And then I just want to blame the devil. The devil's like, what, what, what? <laughs> you know, you did that. <laughs> I, didn't have to, I didn't have to do much there, man. You did most of it, right? Got to be careful with this, man. We got to be careful with this. Um, so his advice is to not be afraid or intimidated or upset. Instead, he says in verse 15, he says, But in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy. Set him apart. You focus on Jesus. 
Always being prepared. That means you need to be in church. You need to be studying. You need to be learning. You need to be praying. You need to be in the Word every day. You need to be prepared. Are we prepared for anything for God? Be prepared. So this this verse is in the context of you suffering unjustly. Uh, Be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. So you're going to get the opportunity because things are so different with you. If people are going to wonder because you're not doing what everybody else does. How in the world? Uh, how are you different? How is this happening? And you are ready to defend your faith. You're not just ready. He doesn't say argue with them. He doesn't say start blogging and trying to, you know. And nobody is won by an argument. I've heard, I remember Adrian Rogers saying that with an argument, you may win the point, but you'll lose the person. Prove your point. So much of it is about me being right. I've never really had those kind of arguments and somebody's like, oh, wait a minute. You've backed me in a corner. Eureka. I'm wrong about everything and you're right. I've never had that happen. I can tell you, Clarissa's never done it. I've never done it for her either. You know, it's like, you know, and, and there's those times, you know, we've actually had discussions and she begins to present facts. Yeah? You know, we had a president one time say, you know, facts are stubborn things, aren't they? And, and you know, it's kind of like, I get to the point, and you people are this way. I don't care what the facts are. I ain't backing down. Right? I don't care what the facts are. My mind is made up. Right? So don't confuse me with the facts. Okay? Got my mind made up. Facts, those are just confusing me. Okay? Uh, so, so anyway, we're not going to argue with people that way. You're given a defense for people to ask a reason. And when they see you living differently, they will ask a reason. It'll come to that. He says, do it with gentleness and respect. Now, that word respect comes from the word translated. It's often translated fear. But it's fear in a good way of respectfulness. Having a good conscience. Your conscience is what you really know about yourself. That means to know with. It's how you know yourself really as God knows you. And, and you can know that you've done right and you have the right, guess what? Not just actions, but motives on the inside. That's where the conscience is. And that, that uh, you have that peace in there. So the attitude, we got to watch that attitude. And uh, God help us to see that way he does and a good conscience. Somebody slandering your good behavior, and if your behavior is real and sincere, they will be ultimately put to shame, not you. That's opposed to you being put to shame because you're found out to be a fraud. Right? See, that's what he says on, on the rest of this. Verse 16, Having look at it in your Bible. I don't have it up there. Having a good conscience so that when you're slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. It's because your conscience, you know that you're sincere and you're not found out to be a phony. And at, there'll come a time that then they feel and then that hopefully will show them the way to God's truth, right? It's not you shaming them. It's God bringing that understanding to them, okay? Big difference there. Bottom line, bottom line, verse 17, he says, For it is better to suffer for doing good. If that should be God's will. If there, if, sometimes it is. Not always, but sometimes. How could that happen? Well, it does. It's better, though. To suffer for doing good than for doing evil. 
I don't know about you, but I can just say, what percentage of my suffering that I've done has been because I've done wrong versus how much suffering have I done because I've done good that came squarely on the fact that I did good? Not a lot. <laughs> so this is another exception. But if it does happen, it's better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will. And you're going to hear people, TV preachers and all, tell you God doesn't ever want you to be uncomfortable, unhealthy, unhappy, all that. Peter's saying that, that would be great if it were true, but actually it's not. Sometimes it is God's will for you to suffer. It is God's will that you go through the trial, the persecution, the struggle, the oppression, the sickness, whatever it is. And know this, that if that's the case and God lets it happen, you can know this, God has a higher purpose. A higher purpose and still stands the statement he made, you will be blessed. You will be blessed. Oh, man. You can still be blessed and have joy even during those times. And you can have supernatural strength to live differently than the world around you. You can even return love to those who are causing your suffering, if that's the case. That's one of the most powerful witnesses of all. And it sums up half the Old Testament law. Love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, is the world seeing that from those who profess Christ? I'm telling you, that would change a lot of people's direction more so than a lot of the arguments people are throwing out there. In fact, Jesus told us, told the disciples in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just like I've loved you. Okay, he's taking it up a notch. Now, to love my neighbor as myself is a big goal for me. Because who really does, right? But he says, I want you to love each other like I love you. That's more than what you love yourself. And he says, you're also to love one another. By this, he says, all will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. That should be that right there, that right there. That's the, the, the badge of a Christ fall. And I don't know how well we show it. Now, I'm going to end with this because he appeals to the great example of Jesus. Look to Jesus. And that's what he said. He said, if you want an example of this, this is exactly what Jesus did. In verse 18, he suffered one time for sins. And we're going to come back to this, Lord willing, next week and pick up right here. One time for the righteous for the unrighteous. This is exactly what God did. There's nothing about us that deserved what he did. There was nothing good in us at all. God must have seen some good in us. No, he didn't. There was no good. But he did good. There was no righteousness. But his righteousness, his perfection is deposited into our account. That's what it's about, folks. I'll tell you what, people get involved in church and people are, church is more like a, some kind of spiritual club to them and it's just all this and that. But listen, it's about understanding this relationship that God himself has come down and paid this price for us and the righteous for the unrighteous so that when we trust him, that his righteousness is deposited to our account. Our sin was put on his account. He paid it on the cross. He suffered one time and it covered all of the Old Testament sacrifices, all of the sins of the past, all the sins that could ever happen if you will just receive it. That he might, what? Bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, made alive in the spirit. So he's going to start talking about being alive and talk about victory next and we're going to come back to it. Let's take it home. All right, let's do it. Let's do it right now. Loving others like Jesus... I should have proofread that. Loving others like Jesus did 
I could have probably said it better, is one of the most, most powerful witnesses of the gospel. Could you say loving others like Jesus? It's, it's the biggest thing. It opens the door for blessing. Bless life, this is how it happens. When trials come, remember, when they do come, it's an exception. Whenever you do good and then bad happens, but, and, but trials are just going to come of various types. Understand this, if God's letting you go through it, he's got a higher purpose. I need to hear that. Pray with me. Father.